Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Uh, what talented and tremendous youth we have. This town is just so full of musical talent. It's incredible. I forgot one announcement out of those 20 that I made earlier. The Guatemala mission trip is June 22nd through 29th. If you are interested in going, you need to go to the music suite directly behind me. If you've never seen the choir room, it's a good chance to do that as well. And hear about the trip from Lee Allen and Carlos and some others who will give you all the info that they have at this point and can fill you in. Again, please be prayerfully considering uh, being a part of that trip. As you see, today is a communion Sunday. We were, are going to celebrate the feast of the Lord's Supper together in Holy Communion. But before we do that, we're going to take a look at what the church is supposed to be about according to the letter to the Ephesians as we continue to walk through this letter, looking at it through the lens of the church and how God is building us into a dwelling place for himself his own house, his own temple. And last week we read about how we Gentiles, those of us who were not part of the chosen people of God, not part of the house of Israel, not part of the Jewish nation, now that we have been made part of the club, that we have been made part of the family of God, that we're not outsiders anymore, that we've now become Inside, we who were once on the periphery of God's plan have now, by Jesus Christ, have been brought near to the center of it all. We've been brought to the foot of the cross by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And nothing makes you feel like more of an insider than knowing a secret. You know, my kids are at that age now where they love to tell secrets. We, we have a rule, no secrets in our house, but they, they love to tell secrets. Why do kids do that? Why do kids love to tell secrets? Well, it's the same reason that adults like to tell secrets, right? It's because it makes you feel special. It makes you feel like you're on the inside of something. Like you have some kind of special knowledge that only the insider's club has. So Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, building on the truth that he told us in chapter 2, that we've been brought into the, the insider's club now, close to the cross of Jesus, what better way to prove that? What better way to demonstrate that reality than by sharing the secret of it all with us? That's what he does here in chapter 3. You know, have you heard this recent term that, I've seen it in a commercial recently too, that one of these new terms that's come about in the age of social media, FOMO, you know what FOMO is? You heard that before? It's Fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, -O. fear of missing out. Many people in our society are so tied to their cell phones that they compulsively check their email and their news feed and their social media apps constantly to make sure that they're not missing out on something, to make sure that they're, they're not left out or that they're unaware of, of something big and important that they need to know. This was a very real and constant concern for the young people that I shepherded as a youth minister. You know, it, it can really paralyze a, a, a person. And, and for a lot of these teenagers, it was often paralyzing uh, how they were so worried about missing something. You know, it's true though, not being up to date on something can cost a teenager a lot of social capital, right? It can be very uh, expensive socially for them to not know something. They don't, they, don't, they don't want to be left out of any insider 
information. So this morning we're going to look at the inside info that we as God's people have been told, have been shown, have been revealed. The Apostle Paul in this amazing letter that's written to Gentile believers like you and me has just explained in, in chapter 2 that we're no longer outsiders because the dividing wall that separated the Jews and the Gentiles, the wall of hostility between us and other humans has been, de has been de destroyed through Jesus Christ. And the dividing curtain between us and God that separated us from the holy presence of the Lord has also been torn in two, giving us full access to God the Father through, again, Jesus Christ. So to further demonstrate that we are now insiders, Paul tells us here in chapter 3 about the secret that we possess now, the amazing mystery of God that has been revealed to him on the road to Damascus, and now it's been revealed to us as well. So let's stand this morning, if you're able to, in honor of God's word as I read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, our text for this morning. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. So Paul says here that he was shown a great mystery, he calls it. It's, it's a secret that Paul is made aware of, not of his own doing, but it was shown to him. The Greek word that's used here for mystery is mysterion, and it doesn't mean something eerie like a mystery dinner theater or a, a mystery novel. That's not what this word implies. The word mysterion means a, a sacred secret, something that only God knows until only God shows. It's something that can only be known through revelation. It's something that only God can, can pull back the curtain on a little bit and let us into. That's what this word is talking about here, a sacred secret. We have no hope of seeing the sacred secret unless God chooses to, in his grace, reveal it to us. So Paul says here that God has shown him this mystery, but the previous generations didn't even get to see it. The Holy Spirit has now revealed this mystery to the prophets and to the apostles of, of this age, 
And this people after Christ had gotten to know this mystery. And it's the same mystery, he says, that he wrote about briefly back in chapter 1. Remember that? The very first sermon that we had in this series back in January, Paul starts out the letter by blessing God for the amazing things that he's done for us, how he's blessed us, how he's chosen us, how he's adopted us. And then he goes on in verse 7 to say, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's what we're going to celebrate here in a minute at the Lord's table. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, he's not stingy with his grace. He's poured it out on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he's set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, things in heaven and things on earth. God has shown us the mystery of his will. He's revealed to us his purpose, his plan. It's no longer hidden now what God's up to because he's revealed the secret that he's uniting all things back unto himself. That's his plan. To bring back that which was lost in the fall. When, when all things were in perfect harmony with God the creator and then sin entered into the creation, ripping the creation away from God, bringing division between the creator and creation, putting up a dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, between us and God, making separation for the first time, plunging the world into death and darkness and decay. Ever since that time, though, God's had a plan. He's been working out this plan to bring it all back, but the generations before Christ didn't get to see how this plan was unfolding like you and I get to see now. All they knew is that God had given them the law and the prophets and that someday he was going to send a Messiah as well who would come and deliver them from bondage and, and heal them somehow. But they had no idea what it would look like, and they definitely had no idea about the temple that God was going to build, the church, for his own dwelling. They didn't know the riches of God's grace that were going to be lavished on them through Jesus Christ. And now, like Paul, you and I get to see this plan unfold, and we get to see the, the key component of the plan, the, the whole center piece of this plan, the crux of the mystery revolves around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The previous generations could never have dreamed that God himself would actually put on flesh and come down to our level. God incarnate, God here among us, Emmanuel, God with us, walking, talking, healing, teaching, laughing, fishing, eating, drinking, sharing stories with us. And not only did he become like one of us and move into our neighborhood, as Peterson says, he was eventually led like a lamb to slaughter on our behalf. He paid the price that we could never have paid in order to make us into his holy dwelling place, to make us right with God both now and forever. 
So now anyone who puts their faith in in Christ, anyone who believes that Jesus can bestow on them the free gift of salvation and forgiveness that is only his to give, whoever accepts that gift by grace through faith is now part of the same beloved family. They're, They're part of the same blessed nation. They're even part of the same holy race, a new race of humanity. And Christians are now a new creation, both individually and corporately, so that in in our fellowship, in our body, there is no Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female, but all are one in Christ Jesus our Lord. We call this key part of the plan the gospel, the good news, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Christianity. It's the center of our faith. It's the core of what it means to be a Christian. You know, churches will thrive when the gospel becomes the center of their identity, the center of their mission, the core of their being. Churches that are weak and ineffective are churches that have often forgotten or downplayed the incredible mystery that we've been revealed, the secret that is now ours. When we know what God is up to, when God's revealed the gospel to us, when he's shown us his mystery, when we know his divine plan to redeem all things through Christ, then his, we know his amazing wisdom in executing that plan as well. That's when we can be confident that God is working in us through us, and for us, and for the world, through us. Without the gospel, we are hopeless, we're powerless, and we're direction. You put the pulpit one. There we go. Is that the pulpit? Got it. Thanks. Excellent. I won't roam, I promise. The gospel not only makes us into God's people so that we can enjoy God in perfect harmony and fellowship now and forever. It's not so we can just live a happy life. The gospel saves us and makes us into God's people so that we can carry out God's purpose for the world. We're saved for a purpose. Yes, we're saved from sin, we're saved from hell, but we're also saved for something as well. Look at verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 3. If you keep reading, it says that God has revealed this mystery. He's given us this sacred secret. Why? Verse 10 says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. We, the church, are saved in order to make known the wisdom of God to everyone, even to the angels in the heavenly places. We declare to them what God is up to, what his plan is. And that was part of God's purpose for us from the beginning, it says. Paul says here that God's always planning to work through the redeemed covenantal family of God in order to carry out his plan. 
We've talked before about how the church is meant to be the conduit of God's blessing to the world going all the way back to Abraham. That was God's plan from the beginning to use His people to be the conduit of blessing to the world. The church is meant to be the conduit now of of God's good news. We proclaim good news to people and places that desperately need the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You know, advertising is everywhere these days. I I read something somewhere that said that each one of us takes in around an average of 1,000 ads a day, that we are constantly bombarded with messaging and, and branding and marketing throughout our days. There's lots of ways to advertise as well. Do you know what a sandwich board is? You ever heard of a sandwich board? It has nothing to do with food, or it might, but uh, a sandwich board is that, that, that sign that you see sometimes people wear over their shoulders. It's got a board on the front and a board on the back. And when you ever walk down the streets of Madrid, Spain, like I have, you see these everywhere. These guys that are I guess they're employed by these, you know, businesses, a Greek cafe or a a jewelry store or some sporting goods place, and they they wear these signs on their front and their backs, and they walk around the city as a literal walking advertisement for this institution or whatever they're trying to advertise. It can't be a very pleasant job, I don't think. Uh, I I don't think God's called me to be a sandwich board guy. I don't know how you get into that racket, but... uh, You're literally just walking around using your body as a a, a walking ad for whatever it is that your employer is paying you to to advertise. In a way, I think that's what the Bible is calling us to do, though. Not with an actual sandwich board, but we are called here to be living advertisements for the greatness of our God, especially for His manifold wisdom. What What does that mean? Well, God's power... God's eternal nature, God's dominion and rule can all be clearly seen in creation. Romans 1, Paul says that all of those eternal attributes of God can be observed from looking at the rain, looking at the mountains, looking at the sea. You can see that that God is great and that His power is infinite. But God's wisdom is best seen on display through the church. God's wisdom is best seen in his new creation, the family of God that he is building together in order to be his dwelling place, the redeemed covenant people of God. The church displays the genius of God's plan to rescue and to redeem fallen people back to himself. The the way that God has forged for, for humans to be saved is in the cross of Christ. He's made this way for us to be right with Him by taking on flesh and dying an atoning death on the cross and then defeating death by rising again in order to save sinners and to make them right with God forever. That is wisdom beyond human comprehension. And it says here that God's wisdom is manifold. That means that it's multifaceted, it's it's variegated, it's many-sided. It's like the the various faces on an intricately cut diamond. You know, when a master craftsperson cuts a diamond perfectly, each of those sides of the diamond, when you turn it in the light, reflects the light back in a more brilliant way that makes the diamond more beautiful. The faces serve to sparkle as the light hits off each side. 
God's wisdom has now been revealed to us in different modes, in, in different forms coming one after the other. God's wisdom is the, the predestined wisdom that, that knew the plan from before the foundation of the world. God's wisdom is the creative wisdom that made all things through the Word of God. It's the loving wisdom that created a special adopted family for God's own possession, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. It's the saving wisdom that became personal in the person of Jesus Christ. And now it's the present wisdom that is alive and active in the church. The wisdom of God is not simply revealed by individuals. Paul says that it takes the whole church to reflect the wisdom of God, the, the multifaceted wisdom of God into the world today. So let me close by just giving you three practical ways that you and I as the church can reflect the manifold wisdom of God to the world that desperately needs to see the light of Christ today. First, let's reflect unity in the church. I know I preached on that last week, but it's here again in, in verse 6. Paul says that we are now members of one body, that that's part of the, the whole key of this mystery is that God has made us one with each other so that there are no divisions now between us. That we have one Lord and Father of us all, one Spirit who moves in us and unites us, that we've partaken in one baptism and we come to one table this morning to celebrate the one sacrifice that was once and for all effective for all of us. We are one in Christ and we show the world the wisdom of God by acting as one, by being unified in all that we do. The, the church functions best when it we do like Paul says here, when we function as a unified body, not as individual parts. I think designated offerings are great. I love that we gave so much to Lottie Moon and, and to the CBF Global Missions offering this year. That's fantastic. But, but I also think it's important to give to the budget as well. I'm, I promise that I didn't just slip that in there. It, it is important to show that we are one body, that we don't just designate everything that we give to, oh, I like the preschoolers. I'm just going to give it to the preschool. You know, that we give to one budget overall as one church. That's a, an example of that as well. Second, let's reflect the gospel in all that we do. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's continue to be amazed and overwhelmed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Let the gospel drive all that we are and all that we do. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone the key to this whole operation. Martin Luther, the, the monk who we celebrated last fall, the five, 500th anniversary of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, said in a beautifully medieval way, the truth of the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary is it that we know this article well, that we teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. <laughs> He was kind of rough around the edges. You see what he's saying? We need to talk about the gospel constantly. We need to be proclaiming the mystery, the secret that we've been shown that God is redeeming this world through the sacrifice, through the death and resurrection of the cross of Jesus that we're going to celebrate here at the Lord's table in just a minute. Finally, third thing is to reflect the light of God's plan. There's a lot of darkness in our world today. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the darkness that we see in the news, by 
darkness in our own families. In, in counseling sessions, I hear about the, the issues and the baggage that so many of us bring. I, I know you all look nice on Sunday morning, and we always look like we have it all together, but we don't. We are desperately in need of the light of Christ that shows us the grace that God has given to us in Jesus. I saw uh, one of our church members showed me a Sunday school lesson for today. The illustration was that trying to do life apart from the grace of God is like trying to row across the ocean in a rowboat by yourself. We need the ocean of God's riches of grace in order to, to successfully navigate the path of this world and the path of this life. Paul says that we, the church, have been given this task of, of bringing light to what was formerly hidden, to proclaim the mystery of God to those who need it the most, who are trying to do life on a rowboat by themselves. Who do you need to pray for? Who's God bringing to your mind today that is in a dark place, that needs the light of Christ? Who do you need to invite to church to, to try to get plugged in to a small group here, to try to connect to celebrate recovery? or one of our ministries here at the church. Maybe they just need a, a young families class to do life with because parenting is hard. Maybe they need a senior adult group to encourage one another in the fourth quarter of their journey to be able to run their race with diligence and excellence still. Who do you need to start having spiritual conversations with? Maybe that, that guy that you always see at the grocery store at the checkout line, maybe it's finally time for you to ask him about his faith. Maybe God's finally calling you to step out and have a spiritual conversation with that person at the post office that you always see. Who is it that the Lord is laying on your heart today? Don't experience the ultimate FOMO. Don't miss out on the greatest secret that was ever told. The ultimate inside information, the sacred mystery of God's amazing wisdom. This secret is the gospel. It's the good news, the best news that we could ever get. This is why Paul closes this section by telling us, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. We have the gospel. He reminds us that because of the gospel, we have boldness now and confidence, not only to share Christ with others, but to have full access to God, holy God the Father himself, that we can draw close to our heavenly dad. And let's not let others miss out on this secret either, for we are called to be walking advertisements. We're walking billboards for the gospel news, reflecting God's greatness like a beautiful diamond that sparkles the light of Christ to a dark world. Reflect unity, reflect the gospel, reflect the light in the darkness. If we'll do those things, we're going to see God move among us and through us and for us in ways that we can't even ask or imagine. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to live on this side of the cross where your holy plan has been revealed to us, where you have made known to us what you're up to, that you're redeeming this lost world you're redeeming sinners. You're redeeming people that are trying to row a rowboat by themselves across an ocean through Jesus Christ. That you put on flesh, that you came among us, that you died the death that we should have died in our place. 
that you rose again and conquered death forever. God, I pray now that you would move in power among us. Help us to reflect unity in all that we do. Help us to keep the gospel at the core of what it means to be your people. Help us to always reflect the light in darkness, in dark places. God, we thank you for the the monies that we have given to offerings. We thank you for the Guatemala team that's going to go to proclaim light and darkness. And God, we thank you for Woodmont Baptist Church, for saints who've gone before us like Kathleen Horrell, for those saints among us now who constantly strive to light up the dark everywhere they go. May you compel us forward in this new season of our lives. We pray this in the high and the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion, but before we do that, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that we should examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So the choir's going to sing, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, and how beautiful is the body of Christ that serves the bread and the wine of communion. This is a time for you to reflect on the the sins maybe that you have done or things that you've left undone in your life that you need to confess before the Lord as we move into Lent starting on on Wednesday. And before we come to the table and, and take the elements this morning, maybe we all examine ourselves in light of what Christ has done for us. As the choir leads us, I encourage you to pray.